You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes and at Facebook.com slash DCAU Review. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 7 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, as always, Cal Renner, and with me, my good friend, brother, co-host, and all-around great guy, Liam Renner. Liam... We're on episode 7 already. Hard to believe it. Yeah, we're just rolling right through these, and we've got uh, an episode that is very special to me, and I know to you as well, but yeah, absolutely. We, got a, we, got a special, we got a special one today. It doesn't feature a major villain. It does not feature necessarily like the greatest, most memorable plot. Not a lot of Batman either. Not a lot of Batman, and yet I would, I would put this maybe in my top, I'll say my top 25 episodes. Wow. In all of the DCAU, um, and uh, maybe that'll change. Uh, you, you know, we can check on once we start rating uh, and we start getting into some of the other shows. Maybe this will be proven false. But uh, yeah, right now this is this is one of my very favorite episodes. So I'm really excited to be here today. Cool. Yeah, uh, today's episode is uh, episode going to be episode eight in the uh, chronological order of Batman the Animated Series, and that is the Forgotten. Which, uh, Liam, this is an interesting episode. Like you said, uh, it's not uh, a very Batman-heavy episode. It's not uh, an episode that, actually, from what I saw, obviously, the last year was the 25th anniversary of uh, Batman the Animated Series debuting on Fox. And uh, saw a lot of people come out with uh, a lot of top lists and ranking their their animated episodes which is actually the inspiration for this podcast we figured we'd do one of our own but in podcast form um but this episode tends to get poo-pooed a lot a lot of people don't like this episode and i'm i'm really not sure why overall because when we we got down to it it's it's an interesting episode it deals with some some real life stuff like uh, we talked about in some of the, a lot of the episodes that we've liked it's not a straightforward good guy versus bad guy uh, you know, super villain doing something crazy yeah. type story. Uh, but why do you think people poo-poo this so much? I mean, I think, yeah, I think it comes down to what, what we've already sort of mentioned in passing here. It's not much Batman. It doesn't have a big memorable villain. Uh, it's it's sort of, it's an episode that has something to say, and we can get into whether or not it says what it's trying to say as well as it could. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sort of... Yeah, it's interesting to me that this ends up so low in a lot of people's. This ends up in like the bottom five for a lot of people. Yeah, um, it's very strange. Yeah, to me, it's it to me it's the the overall atmosphere, the music, and uh, and some of the, some of the animation we'll get into is just it really stands out to me. It's one of the episodes that I remembered most from just watching it when I was young, and it's one that still sticks in my mind now when I when I go back and watch and. Uh, so I yeah so we're this is definitely a hard disagree I think from from a lot of people that have gone back and uh, and looked at this stuff but hey that's that's kind of part of the fun we're uh, that's right we don't all have to like the same stuff right that's sort of the fun part about uh people are allowed to like the different things and I and we always encourage any feedback if you think we're dead wrong maybe you thought the Ender Dwellers was great I mean you're wrong <laughs> but maybe you thought that and if that's the case uh, yeah we love we love getting feedback that I've been tweeting with some people about it this week. 
love love hearing love hearing feedback on that. So Absolutely. yeah, a lot of people maybe not like this, but this is sort of a, in our opinion maybe a diamond in the rough or a, a hidden gem perhaps. Absolutely. Uh, so why don't we jump right ahead into our categories? We'll start scoring some things. Remind our lovely listeners at home what our four categories are. So we have our four main categories, which are plot, animation, voice acting, and music. Uh, we also have a bonus category where we can award an extra point or two if uh, something comes up that's not that's maybe not covered in uh, in one of those main four ones, or if there's just something super special about the episode that you just want to add a little bonus on. Uh, you can do that as well. But so the the main scoring will be blank out of 40 with uh, each category going up to 10. Cool. Awesome. So uh, let's jump right into plot. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit. Uh, not a lot of Batman in this episode. He's uh, he's introduced very late into the episode. Um, the, the plot itself uh, is, starts out very interestingly because it's Bruce Wayne. It looks like he's volunteering at a homeless shelter of some sort and uh, talking with this guy. And uh, there's a disappearance of of these uh, you know these homeless people. These afterthoughts is kind of what the guy uh, who runs the shelter talks or transients. He he kind of refers to them as people who are afterthoughts or people don't care. General society doesn't care if homeless people disappear. Which right off the bat, that's an interesting, deep, heavy thing. <laughs> and as opposed to the way it worked in the underdwellers where it was uncomfortable to the point of, Hey, listen, this is probably real life, but not something that should be tackled in a children's cartoon. This is interesting because it kind of gets you thinking. My issue with it though, was that I felt like this episode didn't really know what direction it wanted to go into. Um, it touches on this at the beginning that the homeless are kind of afterthoughts. Um, and then it's kind of a forgotten plot point until the very last scene. And even then, it's kind of treated like, oh, well, these two guys that Bruce meets while he's, you know, in this, hmm. camp, for lack of a better word, like internment camp for homeless people that this villain is running, uh, making them do this slave labor. Uh, other than those two guys being reunited with you know, the, you know, the one guy being reunited with his family, the other guy getting a, a place to stay for a little bit till he's back on his feet, there's not really a happy ending for the rest of the community there. Bruce doesn't build a gigantic shelter to help <laughs> these people. You know, right. He doesn't donate a, a billion dollars to a certain shelter or something. He gets in his Rolls Royce and drives away. Actually, he doesn't <laughs> even drive away. His butler drives him away. <laughs> So I, I, I don't know what quite this episode was trying to say specifically. There were some good um, good good plot points, I thought. Um, you know, the, uh, the scene where he has the vision, he's forgotten who he is, and uh, it, it kind of co- comes back around to that homeless point where Bruce realizes in this dream sequence, he doesn't know who he is, he has amnesia, and in this sequence, he's Bruce Wayne, and there's a bunch of homeless people that walk up to him, and his first thing to do is he pulls out money, and he hands it to the first person, but then he's overwhelmed by the amount of people that need his help. So, And then he starts to cry, and that was, ooh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's super deep right there. But it kind of, that's kind of where that subject ends. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I gave the plot a 5 out of 10, just because I thought it was middle of the road. There were some things that they touched on that I felt like they could have gone a little bit deeper on. They could have made it a statement about that. They could have gone back to that at the end where, you know, maybe Bruce 
I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Bruce decides he's gonna he's gonna volunteer at the homeless shelter every single weekend instead of being Batman. I don't know. There's <laughs> just something that could have wrapped that up as a hey, this is these are people that shouldn't be forgotten. These are people that are human beings too. These are people that uh, matter to society, even if society in itself has cast them aside. Yeah, that's that's kind of thing. And you you mentioned it uh, the scene where he is handing out money, or in his vision or his dream is handing out money and is sort of overwhelmed by the realization that he cannot, he can't help everybody. And that's, that's sort of a recurring theme. You'll see that in a lot of superhero comics, a lot of superhero properties of, uh, you know, that nobody can, why did Superman save this train from derailing? But in the meantime, you know, somebody's mom got shot on the other side of the world. It's like, why did, why is, why are these, you know, it's, it's a, it's a way of looking at, Nobody, no hero, no single man can save everyone, can make everything better. Not as Bruce Wayne with his all his, all the money he has. He can't solve that problem. And, right. and as Batman, he can't stop every villain. He can't stop every injustice. Right. Um, but, uh, and sort of the ending of the episode being that he offers these two men that he worked with, Riley and Salvo, he offers them jobs and sort of drives away, and it is a happy ending for those two characters, for the characters we met, but as you mentioned, there's, I don't know, dozens and dozens of guys sort of seen in the background working at this camp that, I guess, don't get jobs at Way Enterprises. <laughs> so, it, yeah, there's, it's sort of, it ends on sort of a happy ending, where it's like, oh, okay, Bruce, Bruce takes care of his friends, and that, and that is nice, but it's presented as like this, okay, and the story is over, but it's right. like... In real life, that's the point where, well, the story's not over for the other 30 guys right. who are still, you know, are back in the city but still don't have a job. Including that first real skinny guy that he throws in the box that we can only presume died. Who <laughs> <laughs> died in the hot box, because we don't see a rescue for him later on. No, we do not. Uh, and so, so, yeah, I went ahead and gave plot 4 out of 10. Okay. There's, there's, I like that they go into some some themes like that. It is interesting and... It's again it's something but for a 22 minute episode you, di- you there's a lot of surface scratching there's yeah. a lot of we touch on this real quick we touch on that uh and then we got to move on because we got to have Batman fight the bad guys right. and and wrap it all up in in 22 minutes or whatever so it's an interesting idea they tried some stuff i it's it's certainly an experimental episode in that way sure but yeah as as far as like I said, a lot of interesting ideas that really don't get put to uh, put to a full conclusion. So Absolutely. yeah, I went four out of ten on that. Four out of ten. Okay, cool. All right, uh, next spot we'll move on to is the animation. What do you think of the animation for the episode? So it's really interesting because it's it's a little inconsistent. Certainly, um, there's some scenes in the middle of the episode when 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 Bruce gets his memory back and he starts to escape the prison camp where he's running, and uh, you pointed out, a lot of this is in the daylight, and mm-hmm. maybe they can sort of hide things a little better in shadows. Certainly. Um, but there's a lot of... There's some, so there's some wonky animation, or a lot of guy, Maybe some not as much detail in, in people's faces. and There's some real weird-looking guys, too, with like <laughs> elongated, stretched-out faces, yeah. too. Plastic man-looking characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's... Again, we, we talked about that a little bit, I think, in the in the Pretty Poison episode. It's just... Uh, just there's just a little lack of detail or a little inconsistency, but the highs 
that they reach uh, when the animation is on point in this episode are really high. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a part where Alfred is flying the bat plane looking for, for Bruce, and he's flying through this this canyon, this this desert area in Gotham City. <laughs> no, not exactly sure where that is in the, in relation to the rest of the of the major city. Right. But apparently, there's a desert Someplace. desert canyon. Uh, that's several miles long, but there's some really nice shots of the bat plane sort of weaving through the canyons. Yeah, we pointed out this is before digital animation, where nowadays you can watch, you know, whether it's in the Justice League episode where you see some scenes with the javelin flying, or mm-hmm. you know, if you watch Family Guy, there's some, you know, you can you can tell when something's been digitally animated. Typically, it's when a vehicle or something is moving, and they're able to make it look three dimensional. This is pre digital animation to age, right. so to be able to effectively make that plane look like it's not just a flat piece of, you know paper moving across the screen to give it three dimensions not easy yeah absolutely so they do a very good job with that there's also uh sort of the second sort of dream sequence or vision that that bruce has when when he does get his memory back uh he, his his memory is triggered by the word family and so it if the first flash is it's everything is a black background and it's you see Thomas and Martha Wayne, and Thomas is throwing young Bruce into the air. Mm-hmm. And it's this very joyful, happy moment, and then you hear a bell sound, and all of a sudden, here comes the the Wayne gravestone, <sighs> and it just comes right at you on the screen, and the, the stone starts to crack and break up, and from the ashes of that, you see a building, it goes, it sweeps up to the top of the building, where you see Batman, and it's time for Liam's cape movement corner. <laughs> Because you don't get much of it here, but there's a moment where the the camera sweeps up, you see Batman, and you see that cape moving, and I gotta bring it up, because it's so darn cool. Because anytime, because that's part of what makes Batman who he is, is because he looks cool. If he didn't look cool, he wouldn't be as fun to talk about. That's right. Or something. Something. But, uh... But yes, yeah, so you get this moment, and it's very close up on Batman's face, and then it fades back out to Bruce still trapped in this box, and his demeanor completely changes. He goes from sort of scared and surprised to he gets mad, and you see his, his demeanor change, and his voice drops into the Batman voice, mm-hmm. and he's, we're going to get out of here, yeah. and it's, it's really well done. So the highs of the animation, I think, outweigh the lows, okay. so I went ahead and gave that a 7 out of 10 for this one. All right. Uh, what about you? I, I gave it... Uh, so I ended up giving it a 5 out of 10 myself. I told you... I think we talked about it during Christmas with the Joker that proportions, to me, a lot of times will take me out of an episode. If something doesn't look right, it's it's hard for me to... It's hard for me to focus on anything else. I don't know why that's that's such a like <laughs> trigger for me, but it's it's weird. And there's a lot of proportion issues in this. Uh, there's a co- really cool scene in the beginning of the episode where Bruce is uh, getting into his disguise, uh, his Gaff Morgan disguise, as, it, <laughs> as it's uh, as, as it's labeled. Is that the guy's name? You think? I I, I mean I can't his imagine, character's name. I can't imagine what else it would be. Like, <laughs> Like, uh, one's labeled Matches Malone, right? one's mentioned uh, Smith, Smith from the Robin's Reckoning yes. episode. I think the Smith character is very similar to Gaff Morgan, because they had yeah. a very similar uh, uh, wardrobe. Same uh, cream that makes the, the uh, five o'clock shadow <laughs> on his face. Yeah, whatever that is. Um, uh, yeah, but it, it's uh, it's, a, it's a cool scene, but it's it was ruined for me, because the very beginning of it, he reaches his arm into a closet, and he's supposed to be taking the disguise out, and his arm is bigger than the suit bag that's supposed to be covering his clothes and stuff. It, it was just a weird inconsistency. There's a lot of inconsistency 
cartoony looking characters and, and like you mentioned i think maybe uh, if, if i were to give it an excuse it would say there's a lot of daylight in this episode there's a lot of twilight in this episode so there's not an, as much shadow work but I, I feel like there's a lot of detail lost even in that very first scene uh with bruce with the guy that that's running the the homeless shelter Bruce has a lot of detail on his face, and he looks, you know, real. He looks like Bruce Wayne, and then he pan over to the other guy, and he looks like he was he was an afterthought, like he was he was added at the yeah, end. Yeah, he looks uh, he looks sort of like a non playable character in a video game, <laughs> like especially now in sort of this age, this golden age of video games. If you have a PS4 and you you play, and the you know the main characters of the games look great, and there's so much detail in their face. But especially if it's like an open world type game, you go into like the town and you talk to the merchant or whatever right. in like Skyrim or something, and they have no detail in their face. Right, because they, they're they an look, afterthought. Right, they look like a manic. Because it's like, okay, well, we spent our money and our time and our focus on making the character you're going to look at the most look good. Right. But this guy you're going to see for two seconds and then never think about again, eh, we don't have to put as much detail into him. He also, I just thought of this, looks like a... He has gray hair, mm-hmm. but he has, like, the comb over. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of the guy from Joker's Favor. Oh. <laughs> like, I think maybe they just color changed the guy from Joker's Favor. And now he's running a homeless shelter. Could be. Very well could be. I can't wait to com- compare and contrast later on when we get to that episode. Um, yeah, so the epi- the the scenes that I did like that were animated, I thought were animated well. The headlamp scene, uh, the scene where they go into the mine shaft and they shut down the lights. Oh, so cool! Awesome. Like the closest thing we'll ever get to a full episode of Batman the Animated Series uh, done in black and white. Like just the color scheme, choosing to do that that portion of the scene, it's in black and white. And that, if the whole episode had been done in black and white, maybe the animation for me gets a gets an eight or a nine. <laughs> uh, but that that scene alone brought the score up. I gave it, ended up giving it a five out of ten, uh, just because I feel like it's middle of the road. The inconsistent cities really took me out of it mm-hmm. a lot, uh, but there were certainly some good good points, like we mentioned the bat plane scene and and the the headlamp scene for sure. All right, uh, moving right along, heading over to voice acting. Um, so. I gave voice acting for this episode a 7 out of 10, and not because there was anything in particular that I thought stood out, um, other than Alfred is is good in this episode, hashtag my Alfred. He's back, and he's really in a groove. Uh, he plays a major role in this episode, which I thought was a bit of a plot point. We didn't even talk about that, but Alfred, the way that he ends up finding Bruce is completely nonsensical. He stumbles. <laughs> a, I, we have to go back and, and talk about this because he goes, <laughs> he goes, he tracks the car that Bruce initially drives as in disguise as the homeless guy. Bruce goes to this this na- you know, neighborhood down by the docks where he hears the guy, the homeless people are disappearing. He drives his expensive car down there, gets out of it, starts walking around. Gets distracted by a cat of all things <laughs> in the middle of a fight, and uh, ends up getting knocked out and losing his memory. So Alfred ends up doing some detective work, which I thought was a cool way of fleshing out that character a little bit. He's not yeah. just uh, how did you put it? Uh, as Robin puts it in a later episode, he's not just a nice guy who fixes Batman and Robin sandwiches. Right, exactly. He's 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 a three dimensional character. We learn later on in the episode that he worked for you know some intelligence agency uh, for. 
uh, in the United Kingdom. It's it, very interesting. So they're setting setting some of that up that Alfred's not just a goofy butler. He's part of the Batman team. He's part of the Bat family. Right. Uh, but he stumbles across. He finds. He tracks the car to like a, a auto lot, and he happens to see the two guys that Bruce was fighting that knocked Bruce out. But he doesn't know that they're the guys that <laughs> Bruce knocked out, and they don't know. They don't know that that was Bruce's car that. Because you wouldn't assume that a homeless guy would be driving a really expensive car. So Alfred just happens to guess that these guys have something to do with this. <laughs> place the tracker on it and they drive straight out to wherever it is into the desert that Bruce is being capped. That that whole plot hole was another thing for me. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and, like, it would have been one thing if they had... Like, if Alfred had gotten there, seen the car, and the and the thugs had been, like, messing with the car or something. Or even, like, attacking another homeless guy. Yes, or if they, or if, or if Alfred saw them pushing like another homeless yeah. guy into this truck but that they drive he didn't away know Bruce in. Bruce was being, a ho- being dressed up as a homeless guy, either, right? No, I mean <laughs> he, he might have known at the very least that Bruce, this was a case Batman sure. was investigating. Sure, I don't know. You could right. There's there's enough there where if you had done one or two things different, that probably would have uh, <laughs> would have changed things. But yes, he Alfred Alfred finds this tracker on Bruce's car. Happens to put it on this truck and uh, and moves on. <laughs> I dig- we digress. That was just another plot hole that that I thought of. But the voice yeah. acting, Alfred's great. Um, I wanted to punch Salvo Smith in the face every time he opened his mouth. I know he was there for comic relief, and again, it's a children's cartoon, so you're trying to appeal to some comedy. Uh, in that uh, Lauren Dreyfus is his name. We found out that he's Richard Dreyfus's brother, and that's yes. pretty much the only thing he's famous for. <laughs> uh, but didn't didn't like him. Thought he was annoying. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I ended up giving seven out of ten. How about you? Uh, same. I also went seven out of ten. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Saul I didn't the- mention Bruce uh, Batman at all. Batman yes. is the best part of this <laughs> this episode. Very strong and steady. Kevin Conroy brings mm-hmm. up the score for me to a seven out of ten. Absolutely, he's he's very good. Alfred, as you mentioned, uh, a couple shout outs I want to give. One, one you mentioned Salvo, who's sort of the the wormy Ugh. wisecracker of this crew of of Bruce Wayne. The combed hair version of Jonathan Crane, by the way. That's true. Yes, design wise, he looks exactly like the original Batman animated series uh, Jonathan Crane design. Yeah, it's very um, same nose, same hair color. Like it's 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 Bizarre it's choice. pretty funny, but. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's Salvo's sort of the Rob Schneider character in this episode, which is maybe the meanest thing I've ever said um, about anybody. Uh, yeah, and uh, so he's yeah he's a little annoying, and you're kind of rooting for him to get thrown in the the hot box or whatever. But uh, on the other hand, we have uh, Dorian Dorian Harewood as Dan Riley, who's really does uh, in in addition to Kevin Conroy's great work, really provides a lot of the emotional resonance for this episode of this guy who's who wasn't homeless who was just working at a homeless shelter he's a volunteer and and you know he's he's having trouble remember he's been there for so long he's having trouble remembering uh you know what how old his son is and he's he's trying to remember his birthday and he's just lo- he starts to lose it in this in this hot box and and he he in turn you know screaming about his family again sort of a a deus ex machina plot device but <laughs> His performance is very good, and he's screaming for his family, which then triggers this uh, Batman's memory to to come back, and and we're off to the races. But uh, Dorian Harewood, who uh, people might remember, voiced yeah. His, warm- so during the whole episode, we were I was like, man, this guy's voice <laughs> sounds familiar. 
Thankfully, IMDb reminded us. Yes, he voiced War Machine in the second season of the Iron Man cartoon. Yep. People may remember the first season, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air voiced War Machine. <laughs> Did not know that um, until you brought that up. Um, but. but yes, in the second season, uh, Dorian voiced him. Also voiced Ron Troop on Superman and uh, mm-hmm. and has done a, a good amount of voice voice acting work over the years. But His most memorable role, of course, as... His, his most memorable role was as Taft, a, sh- <laughs> a, a uh, parody of Shaft in an episode of The Tick. <laughs> Where the t- the tick has a like a mental breakdown while he's fighting an ant villain, and he goes to see a therapist, and the therapist I think is just a head in a jar. It is. And one of the ways the therapist is trying to break the tick of his fear is to have a giant African American man wrestle the tick in various outfits, one of which Taft dresses up as the tick's mother and begins wrestling him. So yes, Dorian Harewood <laughs> as Taft, and to a much lesser extent as Wolverine. I mean, as a War Machine and uh, and uh, Dan Riley here in this episode. But yes, Ta- of Taft fame. I think this has inspired me to at least to, to consider exploring doing a Tick podcast. Yeah, I think we got at least an episode or two of doing a, an animated, maybe an Elseworlds episode of Tick, yes, the Tick podcast. We might have to do that at some oh, point. That episode is so great. If you haven't seen that episode, I don't know. We should we should get the name of it. Uh, the Tick versus something. I think it's but, the Ant People. Maybe the Tick versus the Ant People or something. I'll find it out before the end of the episode. Um, but what was so? What was your final score for voice acting? Uh, I went seven out of ten again. Uh, also, we had George Murdoch as the villain yeah. playing uh, Boss Biggest again. Very much as we mentioned in uh, the Underdwellers. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> the name we must not speak. Uh, very much a Saturday morning cartoon. He's a big fat guy. Hence the name Biggest. Get it? Uh-huh, um, I see what you did there. Um, he's he's uh, he's very cartoonish. And he's big fat guy. He's always eating, and he's and yeah, he's, I can't stand lazy people, you know, because you know, <laughs> ha ha ha. You know, it's it's but it works. It works for what they're going for, and the sort of him being the the warden or the or whatever of this of this prison that they've set up. And uh, just some last minor note. Uh, Richard Mull, who we'll get to very soon, we'll be talking about the uh, Two-Face two-parter, and who we've talked about in passing in previous episode, uh, should be mentioned, he's the voice of Two-Face and Harvey Dent, he's also the voice of the Bat computer, sort of the the robotic yeah. uh, computer voice, and he and Alfred basically have an argument in this episode, where Alfred's demanding that the plane, which I guess is on autopilot, land, <laughs> and the and and Richard Mall uh, says your funeral, and then zooms down in a in a very dramatic fashion, then tells Alfred to watch his step as he's falling out of the bat plane. It's so good. Uh, so really, e- extra props to Richard Mall for for pulling double duty as both uh, both one of the great villains of this series and. Uh, sort of an unsung role as the back computer as he shows up in quite a few episodes. By the way, that Tick episode is Ants and Pants. That's it. That's, That's right. the episode. Yes. Yes. Ants and Pants. Ants and Pants. Uh, it's great. But uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm just so distracted <laughs> thinking about Taft. Uh, all right. All right. We're moving on. Final category. Wrapping it up here. We got music, Liam. I think we saved the best for last. Uh, I think we could talk about as much as we talked about in uh the last laugh the power of the music the music as a plot device in that episode 
it's uh, it's not as not as heavy in this episode, but when it's relied upon as the as a as a plot device, boy does it come through. Absolutely, uh, I gave music ten out of ten. It's yeah. it's great, man. And it, it to me every scene, as we mentioned at the start of the episode, Batman or Bruce Wayne is it's undercover and he's walking through sort of a seedier area of Gotham and it's there's a very low you know there's strings there and it's very low and it's ominous and then sort of as it picks up as the action picks up it sort of swings into higher gear and the scenes in the prison camp there's this incredible harmonica piece that plays. Um, it's just, it's just fantastic. So yeah, I gave it 10 out of 10 and actually I wanted to give it an 11 out of 10, <laughs> but, uh, since that's, uh, not, not possible, uh, I went ahead. That's my, my, my first ever bonus point as I'm giving, I'm just giving an extra point to the music in there the bonus go. category because that's how great the music is here as it's so effective at making you feel what the scene that's going on is trying to make you feel the the music that plays is very sorrowful when we, we mentioned the scene where where Bruce is handing out money to the homeless mm-hmm. people and then is overwhelmed. It's the music plays there. The same thing with the uh, the music playing when the the great the Wayne gravestone oh, flashes yeah. and and then when Batman finally appears, the sort of the, the more traditional Shirley Walker Batman theme plays. Mm-hmm. And it it's just and they all they again they meld them. We mentioned that again in Last Laugh how the the theme of the episode also melding into the Batman theme and yeah. the Joker theme in that episode, sort of melding those two pieces of music together and sort of, you know, you talk about a harmony there. Yeah. It's great, man. I can't say enough good stuff about this. Yeah, and you can, we'll, we'll play some of the, the music here in the background so that you can hear it. Um, but just the heavy reliance on the harmonica um, that gives you, you know, that sun-beaten, southwestern-type feel, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it properly in words, but you're, you're spot on. Um, this is the first one I think we've ever both given a, a perfect score to. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10 also. Awesome. Um, uh, the transitions, like I said, they didn't rely, as opposed to the last laugh where they relied on that same theme over and over and over and over again, which is, in my opinion, the best you know soundtrack to an episode. This episode does a great job of it introduces it in the title card, gives you the gives you the harmonica and a little bit of you know guitar, whatever it is that that starts off there, plucking on a guitar string, and then it. Kind of throughout the episode, depending on the the point, the plot point needed. Um, like you mentioned uh, when we were talking about this before we uh, are off air, um, you know the episode, the, the part of the episode where he's being investigative. He's put his disguise on. He's trying to figure out what's happening to the people, the homeless people of Gotham. It's very suspenseful. What's coming up next? Something's something's going to happen, but we know don't know what it's going to be. And then that that music comes back in later when he's in the dream sequence and he's trying. He, you know, he's lost his memory and he doesn't know who he is. Um, the music that ends up kind of crescendoing in that dream sequence after there's a Joker point in the dream sequence where they fall off of something and he meets the homeless people. Um, that crescendos into a just a goosebump giving uh, piece. It's just fantastic. And then later yeah. on in the episode, they transfer back to the harmonica. Then you know, in the mine shaft, it's more of your traditional orchestral type music. And then they bring the harmonica back in a little bit at the end. It's good. It's uh, it's it's fantastic. So this this is a case where where the music does a lot to advance 
the plot, the the feeling of the, maybe not the plot, but the feeling of the episode. It's it's a it's a good callback because I think we both have yeah. the nostalgia bit a little bit of thinking about that and remembering that from when we watched it when we were younger. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, even now we can appreciate it because it's it's good music. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've I've pull, pulled up this piece. There's uh, you can find the the individual tracks. They have released them on on iTunes and I think you can, I'm sure you can find them on on YouTube as mm-hmm. well and yeah it's it's worth it just to listen to this episode soundtrack cuz it's it's again it, it's again it builds and ebbs and flows and the best compliment I can give it is that the the emotion they're trying to get you to feel when that theme plays is exactly what I felt Absolutely. in every you know the sorrowful moments when you see the Wayne grave or when you you see him going through the hall of mirrors and the laughing Bruce Wayne turns into the Joker and mm-hmm. there's sort of a a crescendo at that point and the mm-hmm. music really swells it's everything it's you know it's whether they want you to feel a little uneasy or they want you to feel scared or they want you to feel sad or when it's time to be a little more triumphant when when Batman shows up at the end to fight you know to to put a stop to it all Absolutely. It works. It works every time and it works as well as it possibly could, which Absolutely. that's what that's why we you got two tens in this one. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's certainly certainly a good reason for that. All right, so uh we ended up my final score totaling everything up. I gave this a twenty seven out of forty. Yeah, and uh, my final was uh, twenty nine out of forty. So one With of the one extra bonus point there took it up another notch. Yeah. So one one of uh one of the higher ranked episodes we've had so far, I think, for both of us. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's great fun, and it's again one of those episodes like we mentioned. The plot ha- leaves a lot to be desired in some Certainly. ways. It raises questions and maybe doesn't do the best job of answering those questions once they're raised. But as a whole package, I love this episode, man, and yeah. I'll I'll go back and watch this one a hundred times. Yeah, uh, it, I'm you know I love it. I yeah. can't can't say enough good stuff about it. I I agree with you completely. All right, uh, with that we'll start wrapping things up. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like us, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That helps us out immensely. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at DCAU Review. Uh, some great content, interactive stuff that we've been posting on there. Some updates. Let's you know it, the, almost the minute when new episodes are posted and streaming. So check that out. And then uh, don't forget to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DCAUReview. With that, I'm Callum. And I'm Liam. And we will catch you on next week's episode. Bye-bye.